Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, November the 24th, 2022. Uh, creativity is a funny thing, and we've done a lot of shows on creative partnerships. We did one a few weeks ago with a British-based uh, crime team of uh, Nikki Gerard and Sean French. They've teamed up. Um, they're married as well to form the partnership of Nikki French, which is a prolific team of, um, of writers. And sometimes when we were talking to them, we, I was talking to them, because um, I'm not a team, uh, they sometimes spoke as if they were one person, Nikki French, which, of course, they present themselves uh, in terms of uh, their work, which is prolific and very successful. We're dealing with another team today, a team called Mina Lima, uh, two people who have combined to create a partnership, almost a, a brand. They have a new book out. It's called uh, The Magic of Mina Lima. Uh, they're the creators in many ways of the Harry, if not the Harry Potter brand, certainly the look and feel of the Harry Potter brand. They, uh, they began uh, work on the Harry Potter uh, brand back uh, in, uh, in 2001 with the first movie, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, and they've continued ever since. They're based in London. Uh, and their names are Mirafora Mina and Eduardo Lima. Um, they even have uh, their own store, uh, which uh, they live above on Wardour Street in Soho in London. Um, so I'm not sure how quite to talk to the two of you. Um, do you refer to yourselves as Mina Lima? Do you ever imagine that you've actually quite literally merged? <laughs> Funny because you just had the word merge. No, mm, that's a, a funny coincidence because it did. We did spend way too long trying to come up with a name for our business when we formed our studio about twelve years ago, um, and merge was one of the one of the stupid names that crossed our our minds. Well, you were going to call yourself merge very, rather than Mina Lima. Very briefly, and then a friend pointed out that our surnames were kind of really made to be. Put together, and once we did that and saw how it worked, and realized that our whole philosophy about our business and our shop and how we relate with our fans is about us being two people and not just being a design business or a gallery or prop makers or whatever the things are that we're doing. So it was our, our relationship with our audience is very much um, dependent on on the sort of human interaction so to have our names on the brand was quite important as well so it was um a, a, a very brief yeah bit of strategic thinking which we're, we're glad has has paid off because it just looks fun as well yes and and we we, we do have as well andrew like uh shops in other countries as well in japan and the us and and hopefully more to come so the mini lima is such like a no, it's easy to pronounce yeah. everywhere we go. So it's, it's yeah, it's good. Well, it's only <laughs> easier to pronounce than Mirafora, Mina and Eduardo Lima. Exactly. So, yeah. um, when you what, what, what year did you first meet? Do you remember the exact moment when you met? 
well you could read about it in the book in fact it's we've got a little sort of quirky celebration of that important meeting and it, it though it yes it was in 2000 and 2001 yeah um and in fact the book is really a celebration of 20 years working together and that was the intention of creating this um this kind of um uh log of of both the work but also our friendship and and the joy that we've we've sort of brought to the work but also the joy that we have when we you know we spend so much creative time together um, uh, so Andrew, that Mira was already working on on Harry Potter, and she was part of Stuart Craig's uh, team. Stuart uh, is the the production designer on all the Harry Potter films, a fantastic beast. So Harry Potter one, Mira was his next project, and uh, I love when to 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 talk that because uh, he when he um, asked Mira to join him, he said, "Oh, it's about it's a film about this." Uh, orphan wizard and maybe let's see how it goes maybe it might be just for four or five months and now 22 years later we are here talking still talk about harry potter so do you actually um do you live together too or are you just partners i mean are you professional partners or emotional partners too professional no, professional yeah. <laughs> so you have your own private lives oh yes yeah. how do your partners feel about the other one are there's is there an element of jealousy do you think well, one of them works. Eduardo's husband works for me in Lima, so um, so he's uh, he's a, yeah he's a very he's an invested uh, partner as well, and um, and no because I think because we have such a strong friendship and that sort of glues to you know it's the glue behind every decision that gets made yeah. as as so business. You, so because that was the thing that came out of my conversation with. Um... Sean French and Nikki Gerard is that this, this intense trust, this recognition of the other person's talent, their ability to work together, and again, their ability to sometimes merge and think alike or yeah. think in ways that naturally um, work off the other one. I assume that your work, even if you're not writers, you're designers, but it works in a similar way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, um, you know, we it, we see it as a real sort of as a real asset to 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 what our business has become and what it always was was um, a reflection of of the strength of us together yeah. working together. And and that goes back to my 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 previous answer, Andrew. When I met Mira in two thousand one, after she finished completed Harry Potter one, she was starting Harry Potter two. Uh, is when I was introduced to her by a common friend. And I moved from Brazil to the UK at that year for good, and uh, for <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, and the first time, the moment that we, me and Mira, we started talking, uh, it was some kind of thing that, you no, know, was a magical thing happened. I think I I had the uh, I I knew Mira already, and and was so easy, and was so. Uh, and from then on, you know, we kind of so it's the familiarity and there's familiarity mm -hmm. and, and the same taste and the same kind of uh, love for typeface and for for graphics. Even when we talk about our childhood, we were already like playing shop and and pretending that we own a post office and a uh, and a publisher and doing our own, own little books and things like that. So we started gigging out all about graphics and typefaces and books and and we said, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> so that's the magic when, you, when the book is called the magic of mina lima celebrating the graphic design studio behind the harry potter and fantastic beast films but it 
the magic then is this idea that you somehow knew each other even before you met. Yes, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, how would you explain that? Is Do you think that um, fate led you together? Is there a, um, there is a, a almost sort of, a, a sort of a Hollywood narrative to this that you... There is a sort of serendipity that yes. we that we felt, but we're not kind of like fluffy about it. Mm -hmm. It's more just like, um, okay, let's um, capture what the, the brilliance of this, because it is unusual to find someone that you really sort of speak the same language in so many different ways and and can create, you know, we now have, we've gone from being a student, from being two freelancers actually on the films to running a studio that had one employee 10 years ago and we're now around 50 so we've grown we've we've well, grown business. so we have a design studio yes which is really what Mina Lima is and then the shop is just uh, a place that can actually sell and exhibit right, and you have a website uh, with Wizarding World and Mina Lima do you think um given that this is a professional rather than an emotional partnership that if love was involved, it might in some ways undermine it. I'm not quite sure how, um, uh, you know, Nikki French, I mean, there is no such, uh, as uh, uh, Nikki Gerard and Sean French, when they go to bed at night, whether they can ever switch off from being authors. At least you have a private life. Yeah, but you still don't switch off. Yeah. <laughs> you don't switch off? Not really, because, you know, when you've got lots of people to be responsible for and projects to deliver and stuff, I think, and it's your own baby. Um, it's pleasure and responsibility in yeah. equal measure. And um, but the the joy really now after sort of so many years together is that from the strength of that has allowed us to be able to choose what kind of projects we we can take on. And and um, whereas at the beginning, you know, you're 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 having to to work. On, on everything and anything that comes your way. So that's that's really means that we can really focus on being the best version of ourselves yes. creatively. But also I think, as I said, now I moved from Brazil to the UK. Where did you move from in Brazil? Um, I I was living in Rio uh, and- uh, And uh, and you went I, to London, chilly London. Yes, no, but that was one of the reasons actually. I love the London weather more than the Brazilian weather too. Yeah. It annoys me very much, but you're so weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I love what the weather. What annoys you? Sorry? What, what did you say annoys you? Uh, no, Mira said, no, yeah. The heat annoys I just said he's weird. But... Oh, he doesn't like the heat. Well, it is. Rio is very hot. Exactly. So and if you sticky. live there and work, you, you, it's a different thing when you go there. It's a different kind of heat. It's not a dry heat. Exactly. So I think moving to the UK and having met Mira and uh, and Mira being the person that opened the doors for me to op op work in, in the film industry in the UK. Uh, after that meeting we had, uh, I uh, no Mira you the, uh, Mira offered me to do a couple of weeks work experience that become like a, a full time employment after that. So I kind of we very easily we we I kind of adopted Mira as my family and my my British family. And that is how yeah, well, we you're probably more if, if there are family metaphors, more like br brother and sister. You mentioned having this this child of Mina Lima, of course. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter uh, was not 
or is not your child. Uh, Harry Potter was created by J.K. Rowling, of course, the best-selling writer, also quite a controversial figure in her own right. Is there any uh, ever any um, jealousy between you and, and, and J.K. Rowling? How closely did you work with her? Did she have to approve the original graphics, given that she created Harry Potter? No, I think, I mean, we were working, don't forget, we were freelancers working for the film production for the studio. And this was for Warner Brothers back in uh, 2001. I'm not quite sure what their arrangement was, but as far as we understood, her involvement in the filmmaking process was, was more removed because I think the filmmakers had the mandate to, to deliver her, you know, her story in visual form. So I think um, there was a very comfortable understanding that she'd written the books and then the filmmakers were making the film and there was no sort of real, that when required, it was great because we would get approval for specific props. And that I think that went probably right across all the not different even departments. A, not even approval, was more like more information about a specific prop that was... So do, have you spent much time with Rowling? No, 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 because she didn't really spend time on the set. So it, I think it was, um, as I said before, it was more, um, uh, it was more, the filmmaking process was quite separate from the, the writing of the book. Well, what do you think of the books? Are they any good? Her books? Yeah, I mean, I think what they do is um, speak to, in, in a, she's found a sort of, for want of a better word, a sort of the magic um, ingredient, which is actually to place everything in in a world that's completely accessible and relatable to to children in the modern world today so though there, there was magic and so on there was no all the key components so going to going to a school taking seven years receiving a letter um yes. in terms of the the, the the fundamental structures of the story and then of course all the sort of conflicts of um um being um being marginalized or being um friendship groups coming and going challenges from evil and all those classic um devices for story they were all in there and it wasn't a world that was it it, it wasn't sort of sci-fi or yes. completely um fictionalized and removed so i think everyone has something they can identify with and i think that was the sort of secret source that got um, that gets everyone from like an eight-year-old to an 80-year-old. And they still do, by the way, because we meet them every day in our shop. Yeah. There are still new readers and new um, lovers of the of the franchise. But our main uh, goal uh, while we work in the films and it was to kind of shape and create and establish the graphic language for, for right. that we were inventing. You know? So we had amazing set designers and and costumes but our job was just to do all the graphic work it can be from signage in shops to tapestries to newspapers the maps and the, all the school books that they the students had to take to hogwarts that was our job from day one so mira's first prop that she had to do was the letter that hogwarts sends to harry uh, invite him to go and join them. Right. So, so, so you, you talk about something, Eduardo, called graphic language. How is graphic language different from the more standard textual language that Rowling used in her in her novels? Um, could you have done it without the books? Uh, 
Not really, no, because Harry Potter without the books no, would not really exist. But I think what our job was, because I think when you see, when you read the descriptions of some of the props in the book, they are very minimal, because that was how it's her style to write. You know, that she gives like a bit of, she gives a few ingredients, but you make the cake uh, in your head. So so we have to do that. So, for example, the Marauders map, that is one of the most uh, recognized and iconic props from the films and from the book, actually, in front and from the films, the description was very minimal, was a, a square piece of parchment. And our job was to make that much more to give it life, yeah, yeah. more to give cin it a... cinematographical as yeah. well. How, how does it work in commercial terms? I mean, Rowling wrote the book and she owns the book, which made her a very rich woman. When you were hired by Warner Brothers. Do you sign away the rights to these images or are they still yours in some way? Yeah, it's very, in, in, when you work in films, every single person that works in the film, uh, all everything that you do belongs to the film studio. Belongs to the I bet that makes you love the film studios. <laughs> but what we did... Well, that, was we, a, that, was, that was a Brazilian laugh, uh, Eduardo. Uh, I mean, do you <laughs> resent the fact that these... I mean, I, I, you've obviously been well rewarded, but... Is there a degree of injustice, not in terms of your case, but the way yeah. in which film studios essentially no, not, appropriate not really. the labor of people like you and make massive money out of it? No, no because, that is the how you know is. that's that's commerce and and industry, and that's how many things are, are you know many bits. But when of you it. did the deal with Warner Brothers, is it rooted in the success? So the first film you did. Um, with the Philosopher's Stone, is it determined, do you get paid on a, a per project basis or is it determined by the success of the film? No, you just hired like a freelancer. So if, if I was, you know, if we were graphic designers do, designing magazine covers for content, I don't know, for a, for, for a publisher or um, it's exactly the same. You're, you're an artist that is brought in and whether you're a costume assistant or a plasterer or a, a cinematographer or a graphic designer it's everyone's freelance brought in paid per week and leaves yeah and um i think the arrangement is you know is, it is it's accepted and it's a norm so right, well, no, was, presumably no one was forcing you to work you didn't have to, to do it I, and i remember when this first film came out like everybody else with my young kids we we lined up it was in berkeley california were you um surprised by the room i mean obviously your work is extremely good but were you surprised with the remarkable success of the movie that it took this brand this idea of harry potter to an entirely different level yeah i mean yes because every film that you work on you you know you're working sort of a year and a half before it even hits the cinema or whatever so you're everyone's just doing their best with a hopefully a great story you know in, the, in this case it was and um, we, I suppose the first one was successful and then we very quickly started working on the second one and you, you don't really understand that it's going to be a legacy or that it's going to be um, so meaningful for so many people. Yes. I mean, that's been the biggest surprise, I think, not just success in like, oh, wow, let's, you know, there's big box office success. For us, the success is meeting people in our shop who come to us and say, you know, I've been inspired to become a designer because of wow. what I saw in the films or, um, you know, or, you know, it got me through a, a, a you know, I didn't realise that that was a career path that I could take. So I think though, for us, those are the successes, not the, the 
you know, the monetary ones. But I remember really well, and I think up to Harry Potter 3, I think I think people, everyone was just like, oh, it's our next film, it's our next film. But I think from Harry Potter 3 onwards, it's like when it was very clear that we were working on something very special that would be maybe forever. Mm. And, uh, and it was clear, I think, from Harry Potter 3 onwards. So how did you work on the films? Did you have to go to Hollywood or, or did you just do all your work from London? They're all made in the UK. You need to do your research. <laughs> no, so all the films, but... but they're all the, made they in were, the UK, yeah. nothing. They, in the they were financed in the US or not? Yeah. Warner Brothers is, yeah, US-based, but they were, um, but they're, they're UK produced um, in with, with UK producers and also with, um, you know, many producers, obviously, as time goes on, but um but all the all the creative and um um technical um skills and and talent was from the uk yeah. and in fact there was a point at which during the you know during the early 2000s where a lot of films were going to eastern europe that there was talk of that happening and jk rowling was very clear that she wanted it to stay in the uk which was Best the british thing. particularly in the context yeah, of brexit was, do you think that this rep reflected somehow this series the best of british creativity and art oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and what happened as well i think as Mira said like in the early 2000s there were a very the f a film production in the uk and i think in, a, a, across the world it was very slow and especially here in london uh, and I think Harry Potter was so essential to keep the film industry in the UK alive and grow and becoming one of the most important now in the world. And especially the crew. I think the crew that worked in all the ten eight Harry Potter films as well. We we used to think that, uh, we used to to say that Livingston Studio was like Hogwarts. We all arrived there already with some experience working in films, but being there for eight films for ten years gave us you now the. The, the PhD in film production. So I think that the, the UK film crew is, is amazing because I think there's a lot to do with Harry Potter. Do you think if Rowling was to write the series again after the films, the books would be different? Do you think in a way you guys have the advantage of working off the books and that maybe the process should be reversed? Maybe the best way to build these brands is to do the movies first and then do the books? Well, well Fantastic Beasts was the three films were made without a book right so, and, and that's also what the book is about T tell me a little bit about fantastic beasts well, that was a good surprise because again when we finish uh working on, on harry potter in early 2010 that is where that we look at each other and say okay this thing that happened between me and you mira is so special that we needed to go and set up uh, a, a design studio that way mina lima as a design studio were was born in a small office just up the road in Fitzrovia. And uh, and when... Uh, Fitzrovia, for people who don't know London, is just north of Oxford Street, whereas uh, where they where Wardour Street is, it's just south of Oxford Street. So they're not exactly. too far away from one now. Yes. And uh, and we, we, we were thinking that Harry Potter has no, or anything to do with the Wizard World. Harry Potter was finished when the last film. And a couple of years later, we started working with Universal... Uh, at the theme park, developing all the diagonally. And again, you can see there's a big section in the book dedicated to that. But also, we were now invited to join again and tell more stories about other wizarding worlds out there. So, and that was Fantastic Beasts that started in 2015 when we were back 
at least in the studio working that film. Again, you can see there's several, several pages dedicated to Fantastic Beasts because those films and where was when we were allowed to uh, to 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 create more uh, and go. We we travel. Now, in the first film, we are in New York. In the second film, we are in Paris. On the third film, we are in Berlin and in, in in Bhutan. So that was amazing to kind of yeah give shape and life to different. How independent is Fantastic Beasts from Harry Potter? What's the connection? The connection is that it's 70 years before uh, Harry Potter and uh, is a story uh, more about Dumbledore and this amazing teacher called Mutis Commander that he goes on adventures with his Fantastic Beasts. So it's a prequel. <laughs> it's a prequel, kind of, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, for us, it was great to still be sort of connected to the whole um that whole world which now has become known as the wizarding world and and actually the f as a studio that was only the first bit of not doing the films because then we sort of worked on on harry potter theme parks and and publishing yeah. and marketing and and the book really is a a a kind of celebration of Every, of our 20-year relationship with the wizarding world because there are there's so many different touch points that we've been invited to be part of and it's never a repetition I, it would seem that if you did another film it would be the same kind of language yeah i mean do you ever get bored with it sometimes these i've seen the, with my kids the fantastic beast i have to say that after a while it all seems the same it gets a bit boring but do you think uh, it's boring sorry you think it's boring then the wizarding well, world? I, I, I'm not a big fan of actually of Harry Potter either, but you know, you have to, as a parent, you get dragged to these things. But after a while, and it's the same with a lot of these big franchises, it seems to me, and maybe this is not so much a criticism of you, but of the studios, is they're just um, squeezing as much value with prequels and sequels, and they might be better off just starting afresh. But you know, I understand it's a commercial. Decisions. Well, I guess we're not here. We're, I mean, we're here to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and what about, uh, I mean, do either of you believe, I mean, all this is premised on the idea of magic. Um, do, do either of you believe in magic? I mean, you talked about the, the book is called The Magic of Mina Lima, but that's the magic of your relationship. Do you believe in magic? And what exactly is it? What does magic mean? I think I, I like to believe that there are magic out there. There are different forces. There is the universe is looking after us, and and I, I think know. you put I, you put stuff out and it comes back. And yeah. for us, that's our, our our sort of magic is that you know you you can yeah send send the messages out. And I don't mean in a in a kind of uh, esoteric way, but yeah. I think it's um, um you get you get the magic back if you put it you know if you sort of put the voice out there. So. And we've, we we can demonstrate that in, in, our, in what we've we've managed to um, kind of enjoy over the twenty years of of working together and um, stuff that you wouldn't that's perhaps the magic is stuff you wouldn't imagine that would happen can happen and that's both creatively and commercially and friendships and people that you get to work with over the years so. I'd say that that's probably the magic is, even is the going, surprise. Even going back to 2001 when we first met you, you could we could just not like connect and mm. and but there was something again, uh, Andrew, as you said, that it kind of 
both are together, there was a force that like, okay, you guys need to meet at that same, that time, that moment. So, so yes, I do. Yeah, I do believe in magic. <laughs> do you think that all this Harry Potter magic stuff is all in a way a replacement or competition for traditional religion? I mean, traditional Christianity covered this. I'm not sure if there is a God. There's a sort of implied God in, in Harry Potter and in some of this work. But how, how do you think it connects with traditional religion? And, 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 and do you get a lot of traditionally religious people in your store reading your work, buying the books? I don't know because we don't talk about religion and I don't think a lot of religious people would be happy to entertain us talking about magic because it doesn't, you know, it, there's no connect there and, and, a, and a refusal actually. But I do think that um, a bit like some sporting events that we see, I think there's, you know, what it has done is offered a sort of a space to be collective with your tribe and with your sort of, you know, the, the people that um, share the same values and yes. passions, which is perhaps even a bit better than religion. So rather than it being imposed on you, it's a place where you can, uh, yeah, you can share those values together. And we, we've witnessed that by, you know, both in our gallery, but also going to fan events, which seemingly might seem kind of overwhelming and chaotic, but actually what they do is, is you know give all sorts of different people an opportunity to to be together and to um to sort of celebrate the bits of their fantasy and their and their imagination that they perhaps wouldn't have had an an opportunity to do and i think that's very different from religion which is kind of a lot of religions which might be um imposing a, um, a dogma perhaps you don't religion. sound very keen uh Mira, for uh, on religion are you opposed I'm I'm ambivalent. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. To put it politely, neutral. ambivalent. I'm what about you, Eduardo? Coming from a deeply religious society, a Catholic oh, society like Brazil. Brazil is a very Catholic country, but also we are kind of we like lots of things. At the same time, you go to the church on Sunday. I don't do that, but but people go and have a Buddha at home and and pray for whatever and. And, and believes in spirits, believes in reincarnation. So it goes all against the rules of Catholicism. But but it, it, it's, it's Brazil maybe is a little bit more open-minded with that kind of religion and to be a little bit more, uh, yes, let's pray for God, but also let's go and offer flowers to the king, the queen of the seeds. And and as you see, like every year, the, the, on the 31st of December in Copacabana, in Rio, you see millions of people there offering flowers to the, the the gods of sea and so the, so i i grew up like that so maybe my relationship with religion is a little bit more yes but at the same time like but well, you're only going to see if god exists or if there's another life if when you die so no one came back to say yes when you die that is what happens but well, i think and uh you you mentioned that um people of many different age groups come into the store, but this is still nonetheless a brand and a, a vision for for children. How do you think it's enriched children's lives? How have you hoped your work, your books, your images, the, the new book, Mina Lima, Fantastic Beast, the Harry Potter brand, how has that enriched the lives of children? Do you think it's made them more creative, more imaginative, more optimistic? 
I might just little interject there that actually our, we're not 100% Harry Potter. We have, uh, oh, there's a few behind us. Um, we, we design lots of other um, and illustrate lots of other uh, stories and fairy tales as well. So, which was originally intended for, for children, but it turns out that the adults are enjoying them just as much. Um, Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> so, right. We've, we have nine titles in, in, our, in our fairy tale world, as well as other illustrated um, uh, images for collective nouns, for example, and as a series. So there's plenty of other work that's not Harry Potter. And, and really, the thing to answer your question, the thing that kind of glues all those together is um, a, to, a flight of the imagination to... You know, we, we always hope to, ins we hope to be inspired and then to inspire. Yeah. And I think when people communicate that to us, when we meet them in the gallery, um, that's the best uh, kind of testament to the us achieving that goal. And um, because there are no rules about how, you know, the you know, Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan should be, told or, or or illustrated it's it's it just happens to be our, an expression of our imagination and that's what we want to communicate to children is that and and adults actually yeah. is that you know being having a, a voice an imaginative voice that's your own um can can be interesting but also can be a, a commercially um viable um voice and 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 opportunities so uh, we've somehow managed to make the thing that we love into a business and that's been sort of the, the magic for us yeah well as Mira said before as well like last saturday we had a meet and greet in our shop there were like hundreds of people and and uh, and most of them said i am a graphic designer because of you and you don't know how important your graphic was for me when in my childhood and so that is so not amazing to I think to, there's a Venn diagram of yes. Harry Potter fans and graphic designers and there's sort of like the, the bit <laughs> in the, the crossover is, is quite large. <laughs> because again, I, everything that we do, as Mia was saying as well, is all about storytelling as well. So our job, even if we are graphic designer, we are not writing paragraphs, but it's still all not anchored in, in storytelling, you know. So 